listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White, and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, sir? I am doing well, Jeff. Uh, it's really it's good to be uh, chatting today. So I'm, I'm yeah. looking forward to today's show, you know? It should be really interesting. Certainly uh, lots of issues uh, that affect everyone. Yeah. 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 I mean, um, well, look, I, I, I think the, the uh, for, for our listeners, I mean, one thing that we, uh, kind of the genesis of today's show is that of course, um, our, our climate uh, challenge is the story of our time, the challenge of our time, and um, and, if, and 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 we've already interviewed a number of uh, manufacturing marketers who uh, have expressed how either their corporate positioning uh, is evolving or changing as a result of uh, incorporating more sustainability uh, thinking. And, to, and and then of course we've had conversations where it's going much more than just uh, changing how something's messaged, but you can tell that an organization is fundamentally transforming um, uh, how they create value, how they account for um, their um, impact on the world, et cetera, and taking a very you know evolved approaches to this. And um, I'm excited for today's guest because I think we're just going to get another kind of lens uh, on this. Uh, on this work and uh, something that I think all marketers will be able to benefit from. Yeah. And it's certainly something that impacts just about everybody you yeah. know, in, in some way, shape or form, whether they realize it or not. Yeah, absolutely. Of yeah. course. Yeah. So joining us today is uh, Sam Prudhomme. Sam is the vice president sales and marketing mission critical environments at Seneca Holdings. And uh, through that uh, works with uh, a number of their sub brands, including Sub-Zero Engineering and others. Welcome to the Cooler Ring, Sam. Thanks for having me, guys. How are y'all? Doing great. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic, and uh, uh, we were chatting just before uh, going live here, folks. That uh, Sam's last name is a nice bit of connection between our home of Nova Scotia and um, his, his original home in the, in Louisiana. So uh, we uh, we're hoping that we get uh, the pronunciation of Prudhomme uh, correct. <laughs> you nailed it, guys! You did perfect. Perfect. Yeah, six years of French immersion finally coming to a head. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My French immersion was backyard barbecues in Opelousas, so uh, <laughs> we're probably in the same boat there. But gotta, yours sounds like a lot more fun than mine. Yes, I, I got a feeling that that sounds like a lot of fun. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sam, look, let's um, let's just jump right into it because I look. I know that you've been putting a, a lot of work into this and to really. Uh, thinking through how Sub Zero um, uh, really helps your customers with this challenge, and consequently how you talk about it as an organization. So, uh, why don't you give us a little bit of background about you, and then just let's just get right into it. Sure. Um, at Sub Zero Engineering, um, we provide data center containment, and what that is is airflow separation, and so. Uh, Sub-Zero started in about 2005 doing some CFD analyses for the data center industry and was really just a way for us to show them where they could gain efficiencies by doing certain things. Um, back in 2005, I'd say 90% of the data center market had a raised floor environment and air leakage um, was one of the biggest things that Sub-Zero used to point out to to help people gain efficiencies. As the data center market kind of grew, Sub-Zero found it pertinent to start providing products and services to actually account for the problems that they were starting to let customers in on. 
And so that's how we became a product manufacturer and how we became to, to, to become who we are today. Um, I don't know if a little bit of background on the data center industry for your listeners may be, uh, may be worth it, but a data center is typically just a gigantic building that has server racks, that has servers in the racks that do computational analysis for all sorts of things that we consume on a daily basis from point of sale um, situations at Walmart all the way down to us purchasing things off of Amazon. A data center is typically the place where those computations occur. And so um, as we begin to see our need for data digestion grow, um, it basically just fuels the fire for these data centers to continue to, to expand. And it continues to drive the need for some of the largest companies in the world to get in on the game. And uh, that's how we start correlating our, me, you, everyone who's listening's uh, desire to do things um, on a computer over the internet, to have things at our fingertips right now, this very second, become more socially aware of what we're actually doing to the environment by demanding that these giant companies give us what we want, when we want it, how we want it. And so that's what kind of what we want to talk about today and how Sub-Zero fits into this much broader picture that's going to try to uh, really help sustain not only these companies' ability to give us what we want, but sustain our ability to continue to get it years and years and years into the future. And a lot of people really don't realize just the huge environmental impact that all of these servers and these server farms have on the environment, do they? They like they just they don't. Nobody thinks when they connect to the internet and they go to make a purchase on Amazon that you know there's some giant warehouse somewhere that is just running tens and th tens of thousands of gigaflops of data through there, and uh, that uses a ton of power and and. And, you know, this is what you guys are actually doing. To give you guys a, a kind of a small just thought, it says for every typical Google search, Google estimates that it takes as much energy to do that search as it does to illuminate a 60 watt light bulb for 17 seconds. Wow. That's that really brings it into perspective, yeah. doesn't it? <laughs> You're trying to explain this to the average Joe and it's like trying to explain uh, Bitcoin mining. Or blockchain, for example, which has to do with Bitcoin mining. I mean, let's we need somebody a lot more uh, educated in those in those areas to discuss it. But think about that: a sixty watt light bulb for seventeen seconds. Every time you search for, um, uh, use Yelp or make just a Google search. What is a data center? Seventeen seconds of power for a sixty watt light bulb. And then every time that you're having a debate with somebody and instead of giving them the answer, you glibly respond with, let me Google that for you or want to just go to Google. You're killing the environment, really. <laughs> like, you gotta, we, we have to stop that as people. We just need to stop trying to shame people into Googling stuff. It was 16 seconds of 60 or 17 seconds of 60 watt light every time, Jeff. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's I don't over know, the top. This yeah. is transformational to me already. Yeah. yeah, all of it. No more computers. Okay. So no more Googling. <laughs> it's pretty amazing, right? So if we if we take that small thing and we extrapolate that to where it's going, right? It says that the information and communications technology sector, right? That's everything that in, encapsulates the entire data center industry and what we're doing right now on a webcast, right? Predicts to use 20% of all the world's electricity by 2025 and emit up to five and a half percent of all carbon emissions. And that's that was a DOE uh, article that I read just recently. So 20 percent of the world's electricity 
will be used for the information and communications technology sector by 2025. Pretty amazing, right? It's astounding. It's astounding. So you're not just telling me this in order to make me um, an aware uh, global uh, citizen. You're telling me this to set me up for at least a bit of an introduction as to what you're doing because of it all. That is true. So if we uh, if we talk about how Sub-Zero fits into this uh, industry sector, um, we basically can allow these mega data centers or even small ones or even one or two rack closets to operate more efficiently just through the use of a passive product that separates hot and cold air. Now, that may sound a little bit elementary, but if you think about it, uh, it's, it's, it's basically kind of really simplistic with whatever the, the first laws of physics are, right? The hotter something is, the easier it is to remove said heat. And so if we're talking, um, if we're talking hot and cold, there is no such thing as cold. There's just a presence and an absence of heat, heat being energy. So if we can um, separate the hot and cold air inside of a data center, then the hot air that goes back to the air conditioner that is cooling off the data center, we can make that air conditioner more efficient by giving it hotter air to cool off because the, the, the more of something there is, the easier it is for them to remove it. Um, and then there comes all of the extrapolization based on scale. And we can extrapolate those savings based on the data center scale. And typically the scales in the form of what we call density, density being how dense the compute power within the data center, even within the racks are. So the higher the density, the more savings there's going to be, the more savings, the quicker the ROI, the quicker the ROI, the more they can get their money back for the solution and then actually start making money on top of it. Um, and I, I say the word money a lot in that last sentence because that kind of what brings us to where we're at, right? Corporations are in business to make money. The reason that they're supplying us with all this data, the reason they're making it easy for us to Google is because we as consumers demand it. And every time that we go to Google, there's 12 different ads there um, and ads are how they make money. And we see those ads and then we, we buy things from those people making it relevant that those ads are on the homepage. And so if we if we lead in with monetary savings, a, a sort of a corporate responsibility, if you will, it really allows us to attack the social side of the issue, which is the the emission side, the green energy side. And so that's kind of the way we started to frame how we're going to go about launching two different parallel com campaigns one dealing primarily with a, a, a corporate responsibility, monetary savings, efficiency, making their dances more dense, more dense so they can do more down to, OK, how can we make your data center more green? How can we offset energy usage to create a feeling of satisfaction when it comes to your social responsibility? And those are the two divergent paths that we're going to go down and just going to look across the road at each marketing campaign as we go to see how we're doing in each side of it. And you have, um, you know, there's some, uh, pardon the expression, but there's some wind in those sails too, because a lot of the organizations who are truly using these huge data centers are, they're, they're certainly aware of their environmental footprint. And, and uh, I, I believe you, you had mentioned uh, in our pre-conversation that, uh, you know, a lot of these organizations are looking to become carbon zero. And so th this is obviously part of um, 
what you're driving at with Sub-Zero and, and how you're going to help them get there. Tell us a bit more about kind of what you're doing in terms of, uh, you know, explaining the virtues of, of the technology and, and the engineering solution you're bringing. So, so you're correct about that. We, we are not like a forerunner in the green energy side of things. All we're doing is looking at the industry, looking at where the industry's going and saying, we can be a part of that too. And we can use that to leverage some of the emotion, some of the pain that these big boys are feeling to help us sell our product, right? That's what marketing is all about. It's, it's, it's identifying pain and it's, it's expressing how we can fix that pain to a broader audience. Um, when you talk about these guys already um, being involved in it, um, basically right now, Microsoft uses 55% um, of their power is through renewable energy sources and they hope to be up to 70% by 2023. So they're well on their way. They understand that they have to do this. The problem is that renewable energy is not 100% available 100% of the time in 100% of the locations that Microsoft has these uh, their facilities. And so because of that, we have to continue to allow them to use as little energy as possible because they want that percentage to go up. And so if we help them use less energy through efficiency through our products, the percentage of the energy used can can go up, which helps them meet their goal faster. And so that's a, a big part of it, just in the Microsoft side of things. Um, Google purchases 100% renewable energy to offset whatever their usage is. That doesn't mean they use 100% renewable energy all the time, but they are dedicated to the purchase of renewable energy for all of their locations. A lot of these issues are grid issues and renewable energy and, and, and trying to leverage um, use of the existing grid is, is, is a challenge that a lot of people are experiencing. When it comes to what we do for this, it's really just a matter of mathematics and data and helping people understand how monetary savings equate to emissions offsets. And that's what we are, we're really doing a lot of. And that's really, I'm assuming, because you've been at it since 2005, doing data center error management. You probably just have a slew of data yourselves about the impact that you're able to have. And I'm assuming that those that model um, is is what's driving this in some way. Right. So if you we went back to about 2015, mostly because the hyperscale industry. I say hyperscale. I don't know if you're familiar with that term, but hyperscale is just a form uh, or method of construction in which they they build mega facilities as fast as humanly possible using every method of efficiency they can think of. Um, and they call it hyperscale. Um, hyperscalers didn't really come into focus until around 2015. So if we take our data back to that point, um, we can we can say some pretty incredible things. So if we start on the corporate responsibility side, where we can say since 2015, on average, sub-zero solutions can uh, reduce energy cost by 29%, right? Just that right there. You install a sub-zero solution, you're going to save 29% on your energy cost. Mm -hmm. Pretty good, right? So if you look at what that energy cost equals in the amount of carbon reduction, we say things like since 2015, we've offset somewhere in the neighborhood of 2.5 million tons of CO2. 
2.5 million tons of CO2 is about 250,000 SUVs driving 12,000 miles a year. It's about half a million sedans driving 12,000 miles a year. And it's about 100,000 trees offsetting carbon for 30 years. Not just planting a tree, but a tree growing for 30 years, offsetting carbon. So that's what we've done in the industry to date. And that's with densities somewhere in the neighborhood of 10% on average of what we are starting to see now. So where this containment and the use of containment used to be driven specifically around densities and, and only hyperscalers, we're starting to see that middle market starting to, to creep into the into the notion that containment's no longer a want, it's not a need, it's a must have. And it's a must have from a monetary savings and we can correlate that directly into the offset of carbon emissions. So what, um, you know, obviously the, those are, you know, almost 30% offset is an, is an incredible figure. You know, it's certainly going to uh, spur a lot of motion in terms of, uh, you know, data center users to, to want to do that. Um, how, how else, and, and I, I love how you've kind of used, you know, these analogies of, you know, the number of trees uh, planted versus, uh, you know, the number of vehicles in use and all of that. How else are you communicating this to, um, to your potential customers and your existing customers to, to help them see exactly the benefit that, uh, that you're bringing to the, to their data centers? Well, if you look at the, the, the middle market data center uh, sector who don't have as much, uh, I guess, um, heat on them from a from a uh, outside perspective where people aren't just looking at them saying you're the largest companies in the world. If you're not going to help us save the environment, then who is? It's more an education to them. Um, in 2011, the DOE um, released a fundamentals of data center construction best practices and data center containment was in there 2011 so containment is not something that has not been discussed it's not something that people don't think they should use but i think the bigger issue around our education process is the correlation to using the containment and what it can actually do and giving them a finite roi and a finite um uh, amount of savings that they can expect. And that's how Sub-Zero really differentiates itself is, is through the math. It's through the, the data science. It's not just because our product's great. I mean, our product is great. It's not because it has a lifetime warranty. It does, right? It's because we can show you on day one how this will work, where it will work, when it will work, and how fast it will work. And we basically do all of those things as a free service. And so we call those services our CFD light, which is just a questionnaire that somebody fills out. And with the help of one of our territorial data center solutions managers, we can fill those out and we can give you all that information. So there's your corporate responsibility side of things. Now, what we're going to do now is we're creating a, uh, an, an iPhone app or a cell phone app, I should say, because Android users will be able to use it. And we're going to create the same type of calculator within the app. We're going to call it an environmental uh, impact assessment. And so this environmental impact assessment will be able to show people, um, data center operators, lessors and leasees, exactly what they can do to have an impact on their environment through the use of our products in real time via an online calculator. Hmm. And so we're going to really create a call to action and say, you know, 
you used to think that you couldn't afford containment. And now we're telling you, you cannot afford not to install it. And so that's the pain point between social and corporate responsibilities and how we can fix both. Are your digital marketing efforts bringing in too many junk leads? Stop wasting time and distracting your sales team. Account-based marketing can help give your marketing strategy the laser focus on qualified buyers that you need to increase your pipeline velocity, close more deals, and grow your business faster. We've created a sample manufacturing ABM plan to help you get started. Download the sample manufacturing ABM plan at bit.ly slash sample ABM. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash sample ABM. So is the assumption uh, or, or people that aren't operating with all of the information uh, that you have, um, uh, are they kind of, uh, I guess, opting out of containment or saying it's not something that uh, we're going to do right now? Uh, because they, they they acknowledge, I'm guessing, that, yes, it would be um, a benefit environmentally. Uh, they're just not convinced of the ROI or the payback time or something like that. Is that. Does the math seem fuzzy to them until they kind of meet you? I think the math was fuzzy to them based on um, server technology and the lack of density in certain market verticals data centers. It's just the math didn't make sense to them. And at the time, energy consumption was not necessarily something that everybody was like on the forefront, right? We were talking about electric cars as if they were somewhere in the future, like with the Jetsons. You know, we fast forward only five years, 60 months. And here we are. We've got every big player trying to come up with a with not only electric vehicles, but autonomous vehicles. We've got energy consumption doubles um, or data consumption doubles every two years. Mm. And so... By 2024, um, we expect the, the energy consumption that we're seeing right now to treble. It'll triple in four years. And so now you're starting to see the really, really big push for these huge data centers to kind of, hey, put all your cards on the table. Start reporting what type of energy consumption you have. Tell us how it's affecting the, the neighborhoods around you. How are you going to offset this impact, right? And so what these big boys are saying is like, we're going to do our part, but it all comes back to you, Mr. Consumer, who's demanding that the groceries show up within two hours of you ordering them without ever having to get off the couch. Yeah. And so we have to, as individuals, we're all part of this industry because we're the consumers, right? It's pretty easy for people to say they're not part of certain industries because they don't consume whatever that industry produces. It is not possible for us to say that about this industry, which makes the relevance of what we're trying to do all that more important. Um, I would also like to say that the industry still is pretty young. We're a 20 year old industry. The automotive industry is hundreds of years old. The masonry business is hundreds of years old. The electrical trade, the data center industry is about 20 years old. Um, there's still not enough education and enough um, dissemination of that education within the industry for people to really understand that containment has this dramatic of effect within their facilities. To that point, um, I guess, how widespread is adoption of containment in the, uh, in the industry overall? That's probably fuzzy. Um, I would say that most new construction containment is definitely a proactive thought. In other words, engineers and architects are thinking about containment on the front end, figuring out how to design it in, and it is part of the original CapEx budgets, and it is not something that gets removed if the job is over budget. So it is definitely a, a forethought now. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I would say, though, between 2000 and 2017, millions and millions of square feet of data center white space was built. And I would say 30 percent of that, if I had to just, you know, percentages, but 30 percent of that probably has containment. The other 70 percent of that existing white space needs to be retrofitted. And I think that's where uh, there's a lot of opportunity for education on the subject and sales. Opportunity and sales. Opportunity equals sales, right? <laughs> exactly. What do you think um, as you as you shape this up? And and, and uh, obviously your messaging is very very strong here. Um, have you thought about? Um, I guess what's the what's the biggest reason somebody might say no? What do you think the biggest challenge is that you have um, in, in terms of getting people to believe you and believe this messaging? I honestly think that there's still going to be corporate pressures around uh, OPEX expenditures. And I think that as the data center market begins to become commoditized with data center space, um, commodities create very, very tough monetary constraints on people. So they're trying to operate a data center as, uh, as, as efficiently as possible from a monetary standpoint, spend less, make more. And sometimes it's really, really hard for the decision makers to look at a $200,000 solution that will pay them back in 10 to 11 months as something that they need to do right now. That 200K could just go to making sure that their two operators are getting paid. Like it could be that tight. The money could be that tight because the industry is becoming that competitive. And so with that thought, we're going to have to come up with creative ways to make containment accessible to those people because the industry is going to demand it. Man, you get in-year payback. <laughs> uh, and, 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 uh, and still getting pushed back. Yeah, still getting pushed back. Yeah. Uh, uh, that hurts so much. Yeah, the sales guy in the cringes. Yeah. yeah, I'm just like, my goodness, if I can pay, pay this back in 10 to 11 months, like, isn't that the last of the, isn't that the end of the discussion? Yeah. And the rest of it's press hard three copies, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's just that competitive a market now. I mean, you've, you've got uh, thousands of middle market colos who are competing against each other regionally for a single dentist offices, two racks, right? It used to be like people were very specific around certain HIPAA compliance. And now we have a two rack solution that uh, may or may not fit the, the, the model of a, um, containment layout and so that customer's like no we got to win this two racks your containment will screw us up and it'll make it more expensive in the short term and in the short term we need to make money this month and so mm -hmm. it's, it's the same corporate issues that we see it's the same business responsibilities that we have to adhere to and that's why um that's why we're sales guys right that's why we 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 say okay doesn't work right now but we're going to come back you know or hey if you need us let us know i mean that's what proactivity is all about is that we'll get there before you know that you need us. And then when you do need us, we're already there. I think too. I mean, you know, th this is the, the ultimate B2B service that impacts consumers, you know, and they, but the trouble is, is that there's no consumer as, as you've been saying throughout this discussion, you know, there's no consumer who's saying, you know, I demand that my Google search comes back this quickly, but I demand that instead of, uh, you know, it taking the same energy as a 60 watt light bulb for 17 seconds, that it takes 
far less than that. You know, that no, nobody who's searching Google or ordering stuff from Amazon or a product that is, uh, you know, using AWS is, is saying, I, I want this to be more energy efficient. They just don't know. Yeah, they're not thinking about the environmental impact of it, and they sure as hell are not going to um, change any of their behaviors. No, <laughs> or, or demand that Google make yeah. changes. Yeah. yeah. So what happens when we see that, right? What do we see? We see the government get involved, don't we? Isn't that what happened in the automobile industry where we all just wanted the biggest SUVs we could find and that we all wanted V8s and we just wanted them to sound really big. And no matter what we knew about how it was affecting our environment, we as consumers still want what we want. So that's when you saw the government get involved and say, okay, I'm going to mandate that you have certain emission standards for your vehicles. And now what do we see? We see every car manufacturer going to four cylinders with turbos to meet EPA requirements. That is what is going to happen in the data center industry. They will mandate that these guys be able to give you a search query within a hundred millisecond, right? But they're going to demand that they do it in an efficient manner. Mm. And that's where every low barrier to entry way for them to be more efficient comes into play, right? That's where we come into play. That's where Sub-Zero comes into play. Sub-Zero will be the turbocharger of the automobile industry, like to turbocharge a four-cylinder to get more, more uh, horsepower. Like Sub-Zero is going to be that for the data center industry. Containment will be that. We can give you more with less, right? We're the turbocharger. And so as we start to correlate these things and we start to educate folks, um, the early adopters are going to be the ones that uh, can offset a lot of the initial impact from the, these government mandates that will be coming in the next two to three years. That's a great point, Sam. I think um, it's. Uh, I wonder. I, I just. Uh, I know that we're kind of appro- fast approaching the uh, the end of the show, and uh, I just wondered if um, you know this has obviously been a bit of a a, a journey for you. You haven't uh, didn't decide to to strike this kind of. Uh, messaging and campaign approach overnight. Um, uh, so, and I know that a lot of other marketers are out there kind of facing their own similar challenge about how do they kind of square their offerings um, with this uh, global reality and uh, and, and evolve uh, both positioning and messaging. Uh, so I guess any kind of parting advice or tips that you might give our listeners that are um, kind of on the front end of this type of challenge and they're trying to uh, uh, attack this in their own organizations, kind of any tips for how they may uh, uh, approach it or even uh, kind of dark uh, things that uh, are kind of uh, could, could uh, creep up and bite them in the dark corners? I would say that the biggest uh, issue for us moving forward as a society is going to be our environment. I mean, and, and it, it may sound a little fluffy and a little hokey, right? We, we all have jobs, we all have businesses, we all have to worry about it. But to some degree, we all eventually have to start preparing or start contributing in some way. And you see people go on the beach and pick up plastic. You see people that are recycling things and coming up with ways to make shoes that people need out of ocean plastic. And you see all these people getting involved. And we looked at our industry and we saw that there were competitors coming in and we were being commoditized and in all these things. And it was all like a poor us, poor us. It's not a market retraction, but uh, our market share was shrinking because of competition and commoditization. And so we really looked at it and said, how do we how do we how do we distance ourselves from that commoditization? How do we further differentiate our brand 
as somebody who you should partner with. And so it's more just back to the wall, really looking at our industry, looking at ourselves in the mirror and saying, what type of company do we want to be and how do we want to tell it? And uh, for years and years and years, we were just the focused on corporate responsibility. Here's how much money we can save you. And, and to some degree, it began to fall on deaf ears. And so we had to think of a parallel way to say the same thing that may draw a little bit of our millennial brethren into the fold and kind of uh, make them think about what their other pains are. And if we're all part of this digital infrastructure environment and industry, we really need to say to ourselves, how are we going to continue to do this without sustainability. And so I looked at it and we looked at it as a company and said, we want to be the front runners in the containment space to demand sustainability from our customers and from the people that we sell to. And so we're, it's a call to action. Hmm. And so I think that anybody in any industry, whether it be millwork, whether it be automotive, whether we make paper, whether it be making jeans, anything, I think everybody has a significant impact on the environment based on the way they manufacture and based on the way their their customers use whatever we're selling. And if you can correlate what you do to saving energy, saving offsetting emissions, then I think you got a pretty good strategy there to, to sell more stuff. And I think you're taking the next step as well as trying to connect it to personal behavior and to try to uh, uh, cross that bridge, if you will, between uh, uh, business and personal. I uh, look forward to uh, seeing how the uh, campaign plays out. I uh, I look forward to hearing back from you and I guess just learning of the great results or uh, maybe lack thereof, time will tell. Yeah, no, I, um, we're pretty bullish on how it's going to come out. Um, we're, we, we've got a lot of things in play and so uh, we're pretty excited about it. And I think a lot, you'll, you'll be hearing a lot from Sub-Zero Engineering here in the next couple of months. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, Sam, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been a great chat. Thank you guys for having me. I really, really appreciate it. All the best now. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring.